Irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. Welcome to All Things Therapy. I am your host, Lisa Tahir. I'm a licensed clinical social worker practicing as an intuitive psychotherapist. I'm certified in EMDR and Reiki. I have physical office spaces in both Los Angeles and New Orleans. However, I work with clients worldwide via Skype and by phone. So please reach out to me and contact me to schedule sessions if you're interested in being a guest on this show or to advertise. And my website and the way to do that is through nolatherapy.com, which is the abbreviation for New Orleans Los Angeles Therapy.com. I started this show because I truly believe that all of our contributions matter and we co-create with others to, to manifest and make the things that we want to see happen in our lives. And I believe that that raises the vibration of our planet individual by individual. So that's why I started this show and why I invited my guest today to come on the show. I am with Tisha Morris. She is founder of the Earth Home School of Feng Shui, where um, you can take online courses to be a certified practitioner. She has an online course coming up in September that we'll be talking about towards the end uh, as well. So Tisha is an interior designer. She's an intuitive energy healer. She is a product line of essential oils, that's a smudge spray for your home to clear spaces, which, which we're going to talk about also during the show. And she has authored four books. She's a writer for various publications, a blogger. She has her own podcast, and she's a yoga instructor. Then on top of all this, in a former life, she was a practicing attorney, which I'm curious to hear more about. So Tisha, come on, and I'd like to welcome you with being with us today. Thank you so much, Lisa. It's, uh, it's an honor to be here. Thank you. You're welcome. So I know you use space as a conduit for healing, utilizing the vehicle of feng shui. So I wonder if you could tell us more about that or wherever you would like to start today. Absolutely. And you, you said it exactly perfect in that it's space is a conduit for healing. And I, when I came into the healing arts yoga was kind of my what I call my gateway drug into it <laughs> and <laughs> then I um, started, yeah, started doing energy work and which you know had amazing results but then I started working in people's homes or well I worked in my own home first and started to see the the intricate relationship between our own energy and our home's energy and how it could be such a powerful conduit uh, for healing because everything in our mind and our body and our home is all all the same energy on some level and so when you work in a space which is in the, the 3d world which mm-hmm. is in the physical world as opposed to our and a, you know you're a therapist so you're working in people's minds which is kind of this nebulous world that you can't really see 
But when you see it in a space reflected back at you, it can be a really uh, transformational process for people. Yeah. I I like how you talk about feng shui being the psychology of spaces because in my work I do, you know, dealing with the interior aspects of of mind and not something tangible, but one space is, I think, a tangible reflection of our minds, of our spirits. So can you talk more about what is feng shui very basically and, and how does that energy transform and energize our lives Absolutely. There is, just like you said, all of, all of our good, our bad, and our ugly is in our house somewhere. <laughs> and so, <laughs> as, you know, as a feng shui practitioner, I go into spaces and, 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 and then can find those little Achilles heel, and then we move the energy around, and it affects um, those areas of our life, lives. And so with feng shui, you know, the, the textbook definition of feng shui is living in harmony with earth energy, which kind of sounds a little Pollyannic, um, but it's actually very doable and actually easily accomplished um, in working with the principles of feng shui. Uh, my, my personal definition of feng shui is creating supportive environments. Uh, oftentimes, our spaces are hindrances uh, to us um, as opposed to supporting uh, the, the life that we that we want to be living, and so uh, that's kind of my approach to feng shui. Is, is, is as you love every square inch of your home, yeah. It being a mirror of yourself, that's that's ultimately a form of self love. It is. It is a form of self love. I, I like how you say that. So you know, I know as an energy healer, as an intuitive, you, you talk in your work as well about seeing into the unseen world and utilizing even your dreams and your work. So I'm not sure what direction you want to take. I'm curious about that. And I'm also curious about your book having to do with decorating with the five elements. And, and so I wonder if you would pick a direction. Sure. Okay. Let's talk about uh, decorating with the five elements because yeah. that's kind of segue to what I was just saying. You know, when I started my feng shui practice, you know, I was kind of working with that definition of, you know, the definition of feng, feng shui of being in, you know, in harmony with the earth energy. And I, and I kind of struggled with that definition until I fell in love with the five elements and realized it's actually the five elements that is the bridge between us and nature. And really, um, feng shui is actually based in Taoism uh, is being its like parent umbrella um, and so Taoism is all about, you know, the oneness of, of everything and uh, plants, the rocks, us, you know, everything is, is, is made up of the same stuff. And those, that stuff is actually the five elements, um, wood, fire, earth, metal, water. And, and I know you can appreciate the elements because you, you do glass blowing, which is such a amazing uh, connection with at least three of those elements, the fire, the water, water being the glass and um, metal. Yeah. But it, it is, these five elements are the fabric of, of our universe and it's in everything. It's in our bodies. This is actually what acupuncturists do. They're balancing the five elements within our own bodies and our home being just another microcosm of the five elements. They're, they're all doing this little dance in your space that you're, that most people are not aware of. And, there's a certain dance that they prefer in certain areas of your home. 
and yeah. also in tandem with your own personal energy because we each have a dominant element within us. And, and so we want to have a complementary um, energy within our space so that it feels good personal to us and, and, and the occupants in it. So in that book, I really lay that all out, um, explain what areas of the home were most auspicious for which element. Also, uh, there's a nice little quiz determining what your dominant element is and therefore how you should decorate per your own energy. So it's like a, uh, a custom, customized decorating uh, book in a way. Yeah, I was going to ask you, how do we, how do we determine our, our personal element? So that's in your there's book. There's lots of, yeah, there's, there's a whole chapter on, there's a lot of different um, approaches to that. Uh, and, you know, it's not an exact science, although some approaches might think it is. There's, you can go by Chinese astrology, which I find there's some truth in it. You can go by what's uh, an ancient Chinese face reading technique which is really cool. There's a numerology version, but there's also in my book, I have a, a questionnaire um, that kind of, once you do the questionnaire, you can see where you fall in all five of them. Uh, and so, cause a lot of people um, are maybe tied have a two tied for first place. Um, mm-hmm. And then you can kind of, there's some correlations to, to one's Western astrology element, uh, but that's definitely not an exact translation um, a lot of times the fire, the fire, um, the Leo's, the Sag, and the um, Aries are a lot of times yeah. show up as the fire element in, um, in the Chinese astrology, but it's not an exact translation by any means. Um, so, so do we need to have each of the five elements in our home? Uh, feng Shui, I, I'm a beginner, so I'm asking yeah, yeah. for our listeners and for myself, like my own curiosity, like, you know, can they be reflected in colors? Do we have to have a fountain? Like, how do you go into a space and approach this with your clients to, to help them? Absolutely. Well, so to answer your first question, yes, you should have, you should have some of all the five elements in your house and you do, you can't not, I mean, it'd be almost impossible not to, because it shows up, as you said, in colors and shapes, um, in the exact, um, like I'm looking at a picture right now in my, uh, and, and hanging my wall of, of, of water. And so you don't have to have literal water for the water element. It can be depicted in, um, in imagery, uh, but also in shapes and colors. And so when you go to a space that looks like, you know, usually interior designers or decorators have an intuitive sense of the five elements, not realizing that's what they're doing. And yeah. so when you have a combination of those elements together, it looks really nice and it feels really nice. Uh, so, so yeah, a balance is always a good way to go. Now, where things get a little bit more intricately balanced is let's say we take you, you're like a pretty strong fire element Mm -hmm. um, with probably some water second place. And um, so like really fiery people need some more water in their environment to kind of cool them off. And so Um. they're not getting a little too out of balance. Usually we our our imbalance tends to be over whatever element you are. So fire people kind of get a little over fiery. Yeah. (laughs) Wood people get a little too woody. Water people get a little too watery. Uh, (laughs) And so you can use uh, these elements to help balance your, your own energy out, particularly in your workspace. I find that like where like your office space or whatever space you work on, like I have to like work on a white table, like a metal element because metal is what, keeps my wood in control. Um, and so I, if I work on a, like a brown wood desk, I start to go crazy. <laughs> Cause it's too much, uh, 
Yeah, it's too much of myself. <laughs> okay. That's so interesting. You know, you, you yeah. talk also about the energy, and I, I, I hope I'm using the correct word, so correct me if not, the energy of like the, the land, you know, that a, a home or office is on, the building, the furniture, predecessors, previous inhabitants. Mm-hmm. Can, you, can you talk to us about all of that? Absolutely. You're speaking my language. Cool. <laughs> um, feng shui starts with the land. And uh, it, that's what its original intent actually was to locate auspicious sites, first for bur- burial sites, and then they brought it to actually living spaces. And then it was actually in more of the modern history that was actually brought inside the home. So it's always been originally used for locating auspicious land. And it really still, at, at the core of, of good feng shui, bad feng shui, it always starts with the land. And in the real estate market, whether they, the real estate market knows this, whether it knows it or not, because the best land areas are the most um, the most expensive. Right, <laughs> and you can see it's where the uh, where the the, the uh, well feng shui translates to wind, water, and it's like where the wind and the water shape the land. So it's where mm-hmm. there's nice hills, uh, not too steep, not too not too steep, not too valley, <laughs> and then near water. And so you can see throughout the country, throughout the world. It's those areas that are um, have the highest cost of living or the um, most expensive areas where there's actually good feng shui. And so there's a lot more to the land than that because there could be some um, history that's taken place that wasn't so good. Um, all of this, uh, you mentioned, I mentioned the unseen world of energy. All of this kind of creeps up into our living spaces, um, whether it's good or bad, wow. and can really affect. And so... Unfortunately, negative energy attracts more negative energy. And so a lot of times if, if there's a house, even if it's just like in a random subdivision that's underneath like a random um, water lay kind of lay line type thing, um, it will actually, that's the section of their house that will be like extra cluttered. Uh, it's, okay. it's really bizarre like how negative attracts more negative. Um, or it might be where they tend to have more arguments in the home. Um, and then we start to talk about predecessor energy, which is previous yes. occupants. So patterns start to um, start to form in spaces, and those patterns get bigger and bigger and bigger um, over time if they're not properly cleared, which most aren't. Unless, but I'm part of my mission is <laughs> just to clear, have every space in the world cleared on some level. Yeah, um, yeah. So anyway, that that's a pretty good summary of all those topics. <laughs> So for our listeners, if you all go to Tish's website, earthhome.tv, I, I really liked, um, I like your podcast you started in recent months and the meditation that, that you have on there for soul retrieval and reclaiming aspects of ourselves from the places we have previously occupied. It was something I had never thought about in such a conscious way, though I've felt, you know, like leaving certain living spaces in a hurry or, you know, in an abrupt manner and such, like certainly we, we might've left aspects of ourselves. So can you talk to us about how you developed that? And I just thought it was great. Thank you. Yes. Thank You're you welcome. for bringing it up because it's, it is a very powerful meditation if you do it. And just for listeners, there's a, you can listen to the free version from the podcast um, or the more edited concise uh, version. I have it for sale in my store for four ninety nine, so either one, the free one with more more talk, or the more uh, concise one for for 
four or five bucks. So it is a very powerful meditation. And, and how this came to me, because I, you know, I space clearing is kind of my niche within feng shui. I've been, you know, clearing spaces. I clear my space. And then one day, actually, it came to me through a dream. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I begin to think, whoa, I'm clearing all these previous people's energies from my spaces. What about all the energy I've left in all my previous spaces? <laughs> yeah. Because like you said, usually when we move, we're doing it in a hurry. We're stressed. Uh, the last thing we think about is clearing our, I mean, we're just trying to get our, our crap out of there, let alone yeah. our, our emotional crap. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. And even, we're probably not even, even if we are conscious of, okay, I need to clean up my energy here, uh, we're probably not in a state to be able to do that in because we are stressed. Uh, and so we're, we're very emotional because of the transition we're in. Uh, so I now am a lot more conscious when I leave spaces and try to go through each room. And a lot of times it's a very cathartic experience of a lot of tears shedding, depending on what happened in that space. Um, and do try to like, think, the, think the space and take my energy back. But yeah, like I said, even on the, on the best of intentions, it's hard to do that at that point of your, at that point of your life. So in that meditation, uh, so of course, if you think back on like childhood homes where, um, goodness gracious, which is, as you know, from your therapy, that's usually the time of our life that we definitely split, um, split off personalities or out of protection um, and things and really abandon aspects of ourselves and, um, and, and, and homes are, what's so special about home is they are containers for our memories. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they are holders for our memories as are things that we own are as well. And so they, it's a really sweet, almost like a cradle. It's, it's like a cradle for ourselves. And, uh, but the, the, the flip side of that is emotions can get stuck there as well. Yeah. And so in this meditation, I, I guide you through going through, uh, um, two of your former spaces and um, it's interesting. I don't know what your experience was. It's always interesting to see what spaces pop up um, that you don't realize that maybe perhaps you had, you had some old stuff still there. <laughs> yeah. And, and what stood out to me as I, as I did the meditation and then just thinking about it afterwards is you, you spoke about dissociation and um, you know, when, we dissociate when typically traumatic things happen, you know, uh, overwhelming things happen and how that's when in psychotherapeutic terms, we can like lose an aspect of ourselves or, or it could become fractured in the, in the most severe case scenario. And, um, you know, you talked in your meditation as, as you guide us to go through each room and, in a particular home, is there a room, is there a space that you may resist going into, you know, as you're imagining it. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought that was really interesting because in my work with clients, I often talk, especially when there's been trauma, you know, where did that happen? What room? What was the the scenario? And it's often hard, you know, for my clients to even visualize and go back into that room. So I thought it was so poignant mm-hmm. that you have listeners, you know, tune in to where might one resist going visually and then mm-hmm. really enter that space and see what's there. I just think it's so, I, I kept, was kind of shocked. I've never heard this before. You know, I read a lot, I research right. a lot. And I was like, wow, this is like amazing to, to do. Thank you. Well, like I, said, yeah. it came, like I said, it came to me through a dream. There was a house, a, a specific home in my life, in my adult home is like the first home where I actually felt at home. And I, I had this like codependent relationship with this house, okay? And like, I love this house so much. And, um, 
And a couple of years ago, I, I, it had been like 10 years since I'd lived there. I had a dream and that I went back to the space and there was still a candle, a, still a candle burning, just a little bit of a low ember, which yeah. candles to me represent our life force. And so, and in the dream, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that candle's still burning. And I was like, I need to blow this candle out, which is basically taking back my energy. Mm. So what I find is... It, a lot of times we think about the negative memories that we leave in spaces, but it's actually just as much of the good memories that we leave in spaces uh, in that we, we kind of see it as like the best days of our lives or the glory days, or it can't get any better than this when it's really holding ourselves back. And, you know, I don't know about you, but you know, those on the spiritual path, you know, we're taught so much about, you know, releasing these, these aspects of ourselves, but I'm seeing more, it's actually, bringing back aspects that we've, that we've disassociated or are lost throughout our lives, particularly in childhood. And it's actually a coming back of aspects of ourselves as much as a letting go of any false personas and such. It's a combination of both. Yeah. I think that's unique about your work that when you, when you talk about reclaiming the aspects of ourselves, um, you know, that we've lost, that we've given away, even like, I think it's, it's the balance to releasing and letting go is, is reclaiming and, and taking back. Yeah. I guess that what we're talking about is optimally like shadow work. It's our shadows. It's our, that's, you know, perceived as good, but it's actually where our, our gifts lie as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and as you're talking now about your childhood home, that it sounds like has a lot of good memories that you were really attached to. Um, I'm thinking about how Hurricane Katrina, which was 11 years ago at the end of this month, um, I had an interesting experience that never made sense until talking to you right now. But my family, my parents, we lost the family home due to flooding, you know, and rebuilt over the subsequent years. But my father bought a house in Baton Rouge since we were evacuated for so long. And we were only in that house for maybe, you know, four months, five months maximum. And, um, the owners, the previous occupants, you know, left all the furniture so we could just bring in clothes that we had to buy since, you know, everything was gone. And um, I remember this home feeling more like home than anywhere I had ever lived. And it was so weird. And I wondered about the people that sold it to my father. Like, so can you talk about like the energy that's left or predecessor energy? Somehow I've always thought that it's a negative vibe, but this home was so full of love and warmth and I was only there a few mm. months that it didn't even make sense. Wow. That is really cool. Yeah. Our relationship with homes is so interesting. I'm getting ready to post a blog post called, uh, do you pick your home or does your home pick you? Uh, and there's, there's such depth <laughs> to the homes that we end up in, there's always a reason the homes we end up in. And you're right. It's like, you know, for some reason that, that home could have been a, like a replica of a home in a past life, or it could be something about it just felt familiar to you for, for some reason. Um, and yeah, you're right. It's like some, it's not the predecessor energy is not always bad, but the reason why the bad energy gets such a bad rap <laughs> is yeah. because, it's dense. So the, 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 what we think of as negative or bad energy is actually dense in its weight, and it's actually what's more prone to get stuck in spaces. And so trauma um, is is a dense energy, and so the denser the energy, the more la- more apt it is to get stuck in a house. Whereas fun, light energy just kind of swirls around, and it doesn't like 
stick. It just, you know, the place just feels good. Um, yeah. so a lot of times the, um, if there's been trauma, um, which, you know, may even to the point of where ghosts, uh, where it becomes a ghost, um, or a stuck energy in that, in that kind of sense, um, get, get stuck cause it's, it's dense. Um, but that's, that's really cool that that transitional home for you was such a safe haven, uh, during such a stressful time. What a gift. It was. I mean, I've never felt anything like it, uh, even since, to my recollection in this moment. It just felt like home, though there was no reason why it should logically, but there was an energy there that just felt like it just enveloped you, and, and you're safe, and this is like a respite from, you know, not not being in your home, not having any of your things, only being able to text because all the phone lines are, you know, towers are down, you can't speak to anyone. It just felt like like this little microcosm of a universe of safety that I will just never forget. Hmm. That's great. Yeah. So in feng shui to me, when I think about it, there's so many layers and it's so complex in, in listening to you today. And I know I read briefly about uh, a Bagua map. Can you talk to us about how you lay out spaces and feng shui them and what a Bagua map, sure. map is? Yeah, so the Bagua map is one of the primary tools used in feng shui. And um, for you guys listening, if you want a, a copy, you can uh, when you sign up for my newsletter, you can get a free copy, and it gives you instructions on how to overlay it over your floor plan. And basically, uh, basically, you take your floor plan and draw a big tic tac toe board over it, and that's the Bagua map. And each of those squares represent different areas of your life so there's a there's a wealth corner there's a love corner there's a career corner creativity and you can see where these aspects of your life fall within your home and this gives you a really good starting point (laughs) so this is why feng shui is not a one-time application a lot of people are like okay i had my home feng shui you know period well (laughs) it's an ongoing process because you know what you're dealing with right now may be very different from what you deal with in six months or a year. Like, you know, relationships might be uh, up for you right now. And so it's like, okay, what do I need to do in my love corner? Or, you know, I need to get my career going or get clarity. So let's take a look at the, my career section of my house and, and so forth. So it's a really nice tool of, instead of, of, of where to begin it. So you're not so overwhelmed with, oh my gosh, I got to like tackle my entire home and, um, and so the process that I like to use is, is kind of a three-step process that I've come up with yeah. um, for, for, for addressing a certain area of your home, whether it's a drawer or your home office or your wealth corner. And the first step is to remove. So this is actually the de- decluttering phase, removing uh, whatever is no longer uh, necessary to still have, <laughs> um, Mm-hmm. Uh, so anything you no longer love or use. Um, and so removing uh, the energy, uh, old stagnant energy in a particular area. Um, and uh, so I, I, what I started to see a pattern with clients is they wanted to jump to what I call step three, which is the adding adding or enhancing energy. They wanted to know, like, where can I put a crystal? Where can I put a plant? Where can I put a fountain? Instead, it's yeah. like, we need to remove a bunch of crap first. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no use charging a, a corner of clutter with a crystal. You just get more clutter. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's great. 
So removing the decluttering phase has to be first. And, uh, and really, a lot of times you can just stop there. Like that's all that's needed is just to free up the energy um, through, that, through that step. And then the second step is to rearrange. So once you've moved all of them, bunch of stuff, rearranging if necessary. Um, perhaps you need to um, reorganize a little bit. And then the third step would then just, then that would be the adding or energizing step of, um, and that can be anything from, you know, a plant or, I mean, there's certain, this is actually where the five elements come in nicely of, you know, adding certain elements to certain areas, um, but also personalized items um, pertaining. So if there's a personal item that you associate with abundance and wealth, and that's what you would want in your wealth corner um, in addition to these um, typical feng shui suggestions. I'm not a big fan of um, buying you know, feng shui type things um, unless yeah. you just really love them. It has to be your energy and how you feel in the space is at the end of the day, the best feng shui remedy you can come up with. Yeah. You know, so what, what I'm hearing that, that is feeling really good is that feng shui, this doesn't have to be some um, huge financial investment that a lot of it, especially the decluttering is free. I mean, you, you're going through right. and, and ridding yourself of things that you don't need to raise the energy of, of your home or office to support you. And, and then the next step I'm hearing you say is, is rearrangement. So it sounds like you can really help people work with what they have, um, you know, so it's really approachable and, and user-friendly, I'm hearing. Absolutely. And a lot of people actually, like, find, like, found objects while decluttering, like, even, like, money. <laughs> a lot of times you can even make money <laughs> um, yeah. around what you declutter. Um, in addition to the uh, the new money that will be coming in, <laughs> that's that's so cool. And then and then the is the final step. So, do you do this with your clients? Do you come in and spend? How do you how do you work with them? Is it like a day? Is it several sessions? How do you approach this? I I kind of work in two hour blocks. I'm, I, I know my energy enough, and and uh, that after about two hours, I, my energy starts to wane. Um, yeah, usually, I mean that that covers a lot. It usually, usually gives the client enough to work on for like the next six months. <laughs> oh, cool. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, I try to break it down to where it's, you know, what's, mo- what's most immediate. Um, and, uh, and kind of, you know, break it down into to steps that are not overwhelming. Um, but, you know, I go in and, you know, I, or I first find out, you know, what's not working, whether it's in their home or in their life. You know, always meet the client where they are as far as what's why they're hiring me you know and yeah. then um basically i go in the house almost like a little detective and we find where this block in the house is and uh and then uh, shift the energy around that um and so you know wherever that block is in the home it's also in their mind and in the body and you shift it in one place it's going to shift um and in those other places as well yeah and you also Very work cool. with people, yeah, remotely, where you have them send in a blueprint or a diagram, so they don't. You don't even have to physically be in in your city, correct, for your clients for you to work with them and yeah. help them. Absolutely, yeah, I can work up a floor plan really well, and of course, any pictures help. But when I look at someone's floor plan, it's almost like a palm reader looking at someone's palm. I can tell a lot about your life. <laughs> um, yeah, the floor plan of a space is is pretty much describes your destiny while living there. Um, 
and of course we can change that a little to a certain extent. Four pins are pretty pretty solid energy um, that can be manipulated somewhat, um, and so yeah, four pin tells me a lot. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then any pictures um, we can work with, yeah, for sure. I thought that was really cool that people don't have to be in because you're in Los Angeles, and then are you also in in Nashville? Uh, primarily in, in Los Angeles. I've been in Nashville uh, quite a bit for family and, and work, so yeah. Sure, but clients can work with you anywhere just by sending you these these pictures and, and doing a diagram. And then with your intuitive abilities, it, it I'm feeling that you, know, you can kind of tune in to what needs to happen there as well over the phone. Totally. It's, you know, it's like I'm sure you're similar when you work with clients distantly. It's like in some ways you can actually be more intuitive because you're yes. not <laughs> – you don't have – you're not distracted from, you know, how they're perceiving what you're saying or, or so forth. And when I go into someone's space, sometimes it does take me a little while to get settled into my intuition because of, you know, there's a lot of visuals going on. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, working distant has, definitely has its um, pluses. I haven't heard anyone say that, but my experience is that I, I do feel more intuitive on the phone or over Skype because there, there's that um, – I don't know the barrier is the right word, but there's that apparatus that uh, like, it's kind of like my senses are more heightened to tune in mm-hmm. in other ways besides if someone's sitting in front of me and just that direct energy hitting me, sometimes it takes a while for me to see through all of that to, to get yeah. to what's going on. But I find as well, like the phone or Skype, I can just settle in more to the energetic field and, and know more quickly what, what's happening. Right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, on your blog, one of your blogs that I really liked had to do with reverse polarity. And um, to me, it's, a, it's about the conditioning of our pain and pleasure responses. Can you, mm-hmm. can you talk to us about that? Yeah. Uh, thank you for reading that. I, sometimes yeah, I kind of get on these psychological um, <laughs> uh, little rabbit trails that don't directly relate to feng shui. So I appreciate that people read this. Uh, so yeah. you have this concept of reverse polarity. It, it, you know, I, I think I use in the, in the, in the blog article example from my childhood of, you know, sitting, watching TV, enjoying a fun show. And then like you're getting, you get handed a, a load of laundry to fold. And so like what, what was pleasurable becomes painful. And so that <laughs> <Yes>. becomes your, <laughs> becomes your programming. And you look, looking back at, I think this is really common. It's in looking back at, at my childhood, it really dictated a lot of, a lot of choices I made or like you're having fun with your friends and then you come home and you're in trouble because you were late. And so what was pleasurable became painful. And then what's painful actually is you get rewarded for. So like painful of like staying up night all night, studying for a test that you could care less about and you end up performing well on it and you get awarded from your, from your teacher and more importantly, your parents. And so that painful experience actually is, becomes pleasurable and so it becomes yeah. this programming that uh that stays with or stayed with me for for a long time and very much dictated of of my what i majored in in college um i finally finally got to the place where pain was too painful and i think that was actually a big part of me switching careers um the pain just i, I became 
uh, I think the first part of my life, I was very desensitized, I, AKA shut down. Okay. <laughs> and then as I started to melt, <laughs> I started to melt, I started feeling pain very acutely and anything. And since then, anything that's remotely painful and by painful, I mean like not pleasurable. <laughs> right. Um, and so sitting at a desk all day, shuffling papers as an attorney, uh, was immediately very painful. And, uh, and so I quickly tried to figure out what I could do that was more pleasurable. And that led me on uh, a long journey to figure that out. Um, cause it was a pretty, pretty big distance <laughs> from being an attorney to, to working in homes and spaces. Um, so it was not overnight, um, journey. Yeah. Yeah, I was curious about that in, in reading about you being a practicing attorney and clerking for um, judges and, and on the Supreme Court and even having a, a major role in some legislation. And, and how do you go from that when I work with a lot of attorney clients that, in fact, aren't, aren't really happy doing that work, mm-hmm. but the, the income, you know, affords them a, a lifestyle that's hard to leave. And, you know, like, I just was curious how you made that shift into the healing arts and spaces. And it sounds like as your life unfolded, you trusted to take those steps that I can't imagine were easy. It must've been really scary. Yeah, it was, it was a bit like, you know, walking through a forest with a lantern that was barely lit um, because none of it really made sense. Uh, And it took only in hindsight, each step had some hindsight in it, but like I said, I immediately knew well, I clerked for two judges, which kind of put off the practice of law for a few years for me. And then as soon as I started practicing, I was like, oh, my goodness, what, like, this is not pleasurable at all. And yeah. immediate, immediately within like a couple of months, I uh, started trying to figure something out. And uh, oddly enough, at that time, I, I was having these dreams these, at night of these incredibly design spaces that like stuff that you I would have never seen in a magazine I mean like these spaces were just the coolest things ever and it it started me to and then I had some friends around that time that were into design school um, not coincidentally and so it kind of woke me up to that path and so I went and got my interior design degree while practicing law during that time and and then I kind of hit a real low point because I, I was finishing my degree and realized that that's not what I wanted to do either. It was an, I didn't had to do an internship to get my, finish out my degree. And I was like, this is not fun either. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so I was a little disheartened to say the least. Um, and so that, even though I've, it was so, so obviously divinely led for me to do that, it still yeah. wasn't it. And so then that was around the time when I started doing yoga because it was an outlet to try to <laughs> get some peace. And, and then the yoga was what led me into the world of um, energy. And um, finally it all came full circle. Um, and, uh, you know, it's what's interesting. I think that law for a lot of people of, of, of my generation or time was a place to go into when, when what you're going to end up doing didn't exist yet. Yeah. Uh, so this is why there's a lot of attorneys that don't practice law or don't really want to be tra- practicing law because um, like me, I, I went into it not so much to become a lawyer, but because I didn't know what else 
to do. Sure. <laughs> um, because what I was going to do didn't exist yet, or at least it didn't exist in my, my, the limited worldview that I had for myself at that time. Yes. But life led you. And, and even what you're saying, uh, I'm reflecting back on your blog, having to do with living life in reverse polarity, as far as, you know, you listened to the messages of this discomfort that you felt as an attorney, that it, it sounds like kind of grew and grew. And, and I've seen in my work, I, I believe people, you know, we can, we can accommodate quite a bit of discomfort, you know, and, and live with it mm-hmm. um, begrudgingly, but, but not make mm-hmm. any changes, you know, and it's, mm-hmm. it's amazing to me. I'm, I've done it in my own life, so I'm not being, you know, critical of anyone, but just, I think until we really reach a point where um, the, the pain outweighs the fear, that we have mm-hmm. to step into doing something new and making some changes. Um, and I think our culture does reward kind of that, that pain and like staying up all night mm-hmm. to pass an exam. And then I love brain chemistry and just what that does to your brain to be rewarded for staying up all night to pass an exam. It's kind of like that becomes a little bit more okay. And then you do it again and it's a little more okay. And our reward mm-hmm. system, you know, be- becomes conditioned to these things that really are unhealthy for our spiritual and emotional well-being. So mm-hmm. it sounds like you just got to a place where, you know, the pain outweighed the, the fear or doubt or not knowing what to do next, but you knew yeah. you had to start doing some things. And yoga being kind of that, that doorway into all that you do now. Yeah. Yeah. The yoga, which led to the energy work. When I, when I work with energy, it's the first time that I wasn't bored. <laughs> oh, cool. It was, uh, yeah. And it, it, it's, it's the one thing that, that I, you know, there's no end to it of the depths that you can, when you're working in such a multidimensional world as energy is and intuition and, you know, mix that with people and the sky's the limit. There's no limit. Similar to yoga. There's like, you know, if you're, you, you do yoga. It's like, yeah, you're never going to master yoga. There's always right. steps to take it. <laughs> there are. Whereas, Whereas uh, foreclosing on homes, <laughs> there, is a, there is a limit. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, so will you talk to us about, because I know you have coming up in September, the next Feng Shui online certification program and what that's about, how people can, you know, register and, and what, you know, how, how you're helping with offering this. Yeah. So yeah, my, you know, my part of my mission is to bring this work into as many homes as possible, and and to do that is to teach people what I do, and uh, to kind of train more people to bring this work into the world, and 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 it's working, and it's working amazingly. I, I see results from my students, and the, we're even working with clients, and a lot of a lot of my students are um, some are already in the holistic field, and this is just another tool in their toolbox. I also have interior designers or people in the real estate professions integrating the feng shui into their existing practices. And I think it's just a sign of the times that we're in and leading more and more into and in that the 3D dimension, 3D, 3D one dimensional world, three dimensional world is not satisfying enough. Like yeah. we, there's a, a, a yearning to go deeper in all aspects of, of, of one's work and in one's life and relationships and in all ways. And so emerging this uh, aspect of energy into spaces, whether it's a restaurant design or, or whatever, a home design or selling a home, uh, is becoming integral. And uh, so that's, that's kind of why I started the, um, 
the, the teaching, uh, more teaching uh, than anything with, with this work. And uh, so, yeah, my next course, uh, I have an online, I do sometimes have them in person, don't have any in-person ones scheduled um, for the rest of the year. Uh, but my next online one, it's over 12 weeks, uh, starts September 26th, so registration is in full swing with that, and all you need is an internet connection, and uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. And that's through your website, earthhome.tv, correct? For yes, people to right. get more information about the certification course coming yeah. up. Okay, cool. And so I also wanted to know more about the way you give back, fengshuiforthe.planet.org. We were speaking a little about that before coming live. Um, can you tell us about, about this? Absolutely. This is, you know, the direction I am wanting to take, really ultimately take this work in and bringing feng shui, and I'm using the term very loosely, really just creating better living spaces for 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 the world uh, and bringing this into, you know, orphanages, uh, other nonprofit spaces. I was actually just at a talk last or a couple of weeks ago um, talking about feng shui in the workplace, and there was a gal who raised her hand and said, what do I do? I, I work for a nonprofit, and we were given all this office furniture, and it's really not very functional. What do you do? And I was like, this is why Feng Shui the Planet is going to help help other nonprofits, help those that are, uh, you know, on the streets doing, or on the, in the field doing the work and really making their office spaces more um, more functional and more pleasing to, to be in. So this is ultimately where I, I, I want to take take this and really creating better living spaces for a better world is really the tagline there. Um, so much, much more to come. <laughs> I think that's great. Um, when did you start this? How did this come to you? This, yeah, this has been percolating for, for, for several years, um, and uh, the 501c3 is coming very soon. Uh, it's just, you know, I don't even know how it came about. I probably have to go back in all my journals and look back, <laughs> but it, um, it really is at the core of, of my heart and, and, and the work um, for sure. And and I like to ask every guest at the end what it is that you want to leave. You know, what is it that um, you know is important for you? Like, you know, practical life all aside. So I'm I'm curious for you, Tisha, what what that is. Mm, nice. Well, I always tell people leave a space better than how you found it. So when you're moving from a space, leave it in a better whether it's renovation or, or or gardening that you did or just clean or, you know, taking your energy back, uh, leaving a space better than how you found it. And then I would actually use that same principle on a bigger level, you know, leaving the world better than you found it. And whatever, whatever your medicine is to do that through, um, mine is working with spaces. Um, so that is my goal. Yeah. And I'm hearing today, you know, when, when you say working with spaces, you're, you're working with so much more than just one's physical environment of home or work. You're working with their, their psyche, their soul, their spirit, like helping them feel less cluttered and, and fragmented. 
Absolutely. And it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, it, it, there's a three prongs to this. It's the people, the places and the planet that are really, when you work with one, all of them get enhanced. If I work with spaces, the people who occupy them get, you know, get the uh, benefit as, as the planet. You work with the planet, the land, the people, it all is so related. So it's the people, the places and the planet all in one. We are, we're so interconnected, which goes back to when you were talking about feng shui and, and the oneness of everything. And Taoism, the oneness of everything, Absolutely. I think is what you're saying specifically. Absolutely. Well, um, before I thank you for being on, for our listeners, we were talking this week also about doing another show in no- November having to do with feng shui and the holidays, which I'm pretty excited about. Yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. We can, I can get a little more practical in my tips uh, with uh, <laughs> clearing out the, the, the clutter uh, to get that, the holiday decorations in full swing. <laughs> and, and how that, that came to me as we were talking this week is during the holidays, Thanksgiving and Christmas in particular, in, in my experience, is it's such a busy time in my practice. People are really um, anxious often fearful, often not looking forward, you know, to the holidays for, for so many different reasons, be it, you know, it brings up the memory of a deceased loved one or family members you might not have seen or spoken to or don't want to for all kinds of reasons, you know, financial concerns. Um, it's just such a stressful time. And so I was just mm-hmm. starting to wonder how can feng shui help people, you know, during this stressful time. So I, I can't wait to talk more about this with you. That sounds fabulous and, and very needed, so perfect. Thank you, Tisha, for being my guest today. Thank you so much. I appreciate it and really enjoyed it. You're welcome, and we'll talk soon. All right. Bye. Okay, bye. That concludes uh, today's show with Tisha Morris of EarthHome.tv. Join me next week as I have on, for a third time, astrologer and clairvoyant artist Amadeus talking to us about patterns of the cosmos uh, that empower her clients, that empower us to be more authentic and live in a more connected way, um, to have ease and some easiness on our life path. I hope everyone has a great week. Bye-bye. Listening to All Things Therapy with 